about KD, man. I mean, let's be honest. Let's not, let's not hide it. They're, they're courting him. They want him to come there. Ted Leos is in a great cap space. You've done everything you can to try to get, you know, you Under Armour trying to sign the guy to a shoe contract. Can you, can you create an environment where if, I, I think Oklahoma City's going to come up short this year. I'm almost, you know, they have some flaws. You know, Kyle Singer, are you kidding me? Uh, they're not going to, they're not competing for a championship. They're going to lose the playoffs. How frustrated is KD? Is he willing to come play with a guy like Wall? Why wouldn't he want to play with John Wall, right? He's more of a pass first guy than Westbrook. Can you create the environment for him to come home? And then cap space going forward, can you create where you can maybe go add another guy if a guy pops up who wants to come play with those two and get a ring? I mean, you saw what David West did, right? Signing, you're taking less money to go to San Antonio this year. Uh, you you got to get something like that to happen if you can get Kevin Durant. It took it, that's what it's all about for Wizards. I mean, the Wizards are not winning a championship this year. You know it, I know it, we all know it. You're developing, you're still developing a lot of deal. If you're not the rest of that you're creating cap space because that's how the cap's going to explode. Can you get Durant to come home? And that's the guessing game. I don't think anyone has a clue what that guy's going to do. I think it's 50-50. I think there's a chance that he stays. I think there's a chance he, he, looks, at, he looks at the Lakers situation. He goes, hey, I want, I want to be, I think there's a part of him, you know, he's done a movie. There's a part of him that kind of likes being a star. I could see him being uh, influenced by the LA Knights. And I could see him, I could see him going home to DC. So to me, that's what it's all about if you're a Wizards fan. And that was, that kind of makes it so frustrating because it's a waiting game. I mean, you know, you're not winning the title this year. So you, like, how, how do we create an environment for KD to come home? That kind of would go nuts. Yeah, no, it definitely would. And, and, and you're right in the sense that every move that Washington has made in the offseason has been about flexibility. You know, it's been about making these, yep. this team better, but also not, you know, hands, you know, handcuffing them so they're not able to have the money. Now, granted, they're going to ha- probably have the money anyway with, with, the salary cap going up, but it's also about if they do get Durant, you want to have some more money for some other players too, right? <laughs> everyone has, the thing is, everyone's going to have the money. Yeah. The problem, you know what I mean? So the competition for those players is, you know, everyone is going to have money. And the Knicks are always going to be a destination for certain dudes because it's New York and you're going to have, you're going to have LA sitting there with money. Phoenix uh, uh, is going to be a cleared out space trying to totally rebuild that thing that they got going on down there. That's a fun place to play. The Florida teams, Obviously, because of the tax situation, that's always going to be the free agent destination. Miami, Orlando, guys want to play down there, and they, you know, they make more money. So it's really going to be fascinating how that plays out. I, 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 I just think DC is going to be a destination, though. Uh, if it's not KD, maybe it's someone else. But who wouldn't want to play in the nation's capital, man? I mean, who doesn't want to play with John Wall? The guy, the guy gives up the rock. You know, he's a star player, but he's not a guy who takes a ton of shots. Everyone wants to play with a guy like that. Yeah. Everyone. Especially in the so, gym, right? Especially your pickup games. Especially your pickup games. You want to play with somebody like that, right? Exactly, man. <laughs> I, everyone wants to play with the guy who gives up the ball. I mean, everyone, you know what I mean? And Wall's that guy. He can push the ball and he gives it up. Uh, you know, as opposed to a guy like Westbrook, and I'm not hating on Westbrook. I mean, the guy's sensational. But you know, no matter how open you are, that guy's going to take X amount of shots tonight, as he should. I mean, that's who he is. Kind of like you know, sort of how Gilbert was. You know, it's, it's kind of he's going to take, he's going to take the bulk of the shots. He's going to try to be the guy. Uh, whereas you know, a guy like Wall, you just get open, he's going to find you. So you just run with him. And then you know, he, man, 
I, that guy is amazing. When he comes off that screen and the way he rockets that pass to the corner, it's uncanny. You know, like he doesn't even he doesn't have to see the guy there. Uh, you, you're going to see uh, you're going to see him feast off that with Dudley. I think as the season goes on, because that guy's terrific at floating that corner and banging on the three. Uh, speaking of getting paid, Wall's got Ariza paid. He has gotten Webster paid. He has resurrected Russell Butler's career. There's many more players yeah. left in the NBA that he will definitely uh, be able to create open looks. You just got to be able to knock him down. This is probably the fifth straight podcast that I've mentioned Kevin Durant. A lot of it has to do with Durant was just here and that whole hoopla was here. Uh, we could go. The new kind yeah. of thing is, is that there's a possibility of Durant doing what LeBron is doing and just doing a one-year deal and waiting for that money again yeah. and, and, and him and Westbrook maybe being free agents together. What do you think about that potential? Yeah, I mean, I mean financially, the pure financial sense, that makes the most sense for him, right? Mm-hmm. You get more money. Deal, and then you go get another one. However, this guy had a foot injury last year. The hand, he's been bad this year. He's kind of on a slender body. You know, you're kind of gambling on health now. The guy's always had, and I've always, I don't know about you, but he's always struck me as the kind of guy that I don't think money is necessarily going to be the single bottom line of him. He took less money from Nike, for instance, than he could have got from Under Armour. Uh, I think he's perfectly happy in, in living in a place like Oklahoma City where he's kind of left alone, and they love him there. I mean, you know, when, you know old moms bring cookies to games for the kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think he's kind of happy there. So I don't think the bottom line with him is necessary, and that's what makes it so hard to predict what he's going to do, is that he's not driven just by being the highest paid player or in the biggest market. And so I could see him doing everything from taking the one-year deal stand to, to leaving for D.C. or L.A. or whatever. I mean, I think everything's on the table with that guy. It, it's, it's, it's wide open. Yeah, he was just inducted to the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame the other day. I thought it was kind of bizarre. Yeah, yeah. What's that Hall of Fame until like like Barry Switzer, Billy Sims, you know? Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders? Who's in that Hall of Fame? Yeah, I don't know. Probably some gymnast. Probably some gymnast I don't even know. Uh, yeah, uh, Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle. Yeah, Mickey Mantle. Yeah, he's got to be in there too. Uh, my other question, yeah. my other one that I keep bringing up to people as well is the lore of playing home at home, and it's one of those things where opinions vary all over. And it seems, you know, I keep harsh on this, but there's now this contrarian one where, well, maybe you don't want to play at home because all these people are tugging on you and all the tickets. And all that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, and this, dude, dude, there's a lot of leeches in D.C., dude. Yeah, yeah. For guys like him, I mean, you saw that with him, with his, his AAU coach that was popping off in the paper. Yep. About how he didn't get paid. You yeah. Know? I mean, dude, there's a, lot of, there's a lot attached to that from guys that are from there when they come home that we don't even are even aware of. And they will come out of the woodwork if that guy, if that guy comes back home. Which, you know, could be a good and a bad thing. I mean, you know, there's something to be said for home, but there's something to be said for leaving home and, and making yourself your name. I mean, you cannot get more diametrically opposed lifestyle wise to how that guy lives in Oklahoma City to what his life will be like if he comes to DC <laughs> or if he goes to LA. Yeah, it's a total different world. Well, the club's... You know, Oklahoma City is basically, it's a college town, it's a college team. The fans look at like a college team. Um, and, and, Add this to it, bro. If he comes there, what if he comes here and the, and the Wizards don't win the title? Then, you know, he let everyone down. 
You know, he's a homeboy who came home and failed. And that's, and that's another burden that I guess, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's in his mind, but I imagine that he thinks about that. If he comes home, they're going to expect a parade down Pennsylvania Avenue. And I don't blame him because it can happen. But that's a lot of extra weight, dude. It's a lot of extra weight, man. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about that about him, actually, because it's more about does he come or not if he actually does come if things don't go well. I guess that's some so wizard stuff I don't want to think of the negative in that aspect, but that's, that is a, that is a fair, that a fair point that he probably has thought of. But that's the other thing, okay, about the leeches and the Bamas, your favorite word, and all these cats, these cats around, you know, their hands out and, Going here, but what what about the lure of bringing a title back to his 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 hometown? Because he I loves his place, right? I don't right? know about you, dude, but that would be my dream. I mean, to go back to my hometown and win a title to my hometown team that has a had a title, right? You and know, the guy's a huge the guy's a huge Redskins fan. And he's, you know, he has a chance to go back there and give that 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 town a title, and in, in, in you know, in, in a sport that everyone's passionate about, and. Whether the Redskins are going through what they're going through, the Capitals can never quite get through and get it done. He could be God in a, uh, forever. <laughs> you know, you know, the guy would have a statue right there, right down there on the, on the, on the you know, right there down, down in, uh, by the monuments. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he'd, be, he'd go down right, right away as one of the great PC athletes of all time if he could get that done. I mean, I gotta imagine that's attractive. I mean, who, would, who wouldn't want to experience that in your hometown? Yeah. Yeah, plus, like, the nightlife in D.C. is a little bit better in Oklahoma City, I would think. I don't know if that's a positive or negative yeah, in this discussion, yeah. but... <laughs> I, I can personally attest to the fact that it's a little better. <laughs> I don't know about Kevin. I don't even know if he's that kind of dude. I don't even know if he goes out that much. I think he's kind of, yeah. kind of a homebody type, you know what I mean? I think he's perfectly happy to be in OKC. Well, how, how would you say there might be a little bit more prettier ladies that he might be interested in here in, the, in Chocolate City than, than, uh, than Oklahoma City? Yeah. I, I, could, I, I could be I wrong. Think, I think when you're Kevin Durant, dude. It don't it matter. matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, what, what is Dallas like? Three hours, smoke. Yeah, he's doing. He's doing just fine. I yeah. assure you that he's got. He's got. He's probably got an airstrip in his backyard. You know, <laughs> climbing. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant's doing okay. And never tried. Okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that that is true. But but I mean the the other reason I want to have you on and you got you've been you've been great so far is just you covered this team uh, during an era that. It was very, if you look back on it, if we ever do a 30 for 30 special on Gilbert Arenas, hopefully uh, me and you can be involved in it. And, and, and it's, oh, it's wow, yeah. right, yeah, right? It, it, I have so many stories. So many stories. <laughs> so, so let's just, let's just, let's just kind of storyline some right now. And we, I think you have to start with, with Agent Zero in that era. When you look back, when you look back at that time of covering the team, you know, what comes to mind uh, in just your top, Top kind of stories. Fun, man. I mean, it, 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 it was just fun. I mean, everywhere we went, you know, we're talking about the Washington Wizards, right? We're, we're kind of a innocuous franchise. It's, they changed their uniforms. They're not the Bullets anymore. They had this kind of weird keel look going on. Um, it, they were kind of just an anonymous sports franchise in that regard. People kind of knew that Jordan was there. We get that. But all of a sudden, we're on the road. And everywhere we go, there's people holding up hibachi signs and Agent Zeros and Kibber and Number Zero jerseys everywhere we went. I mean, he was a rock star, man. Uh, I'll never forget that West Coast trip we took 
out here when he scored the 61 in LA against the Lakers. Yep. And then a couple nights later, he had 56, and I drilled Nash down there. Uh, Phoenix, down there in Phoenix, Phoenix right? Wearing that, those black and gold uh, throwback uniforms they were wearing, those Chicago stag looking uniforms. I mean, it was ridiculous, man. It was so fun to watch. The game-winning shot in Seattle. I was sitting there in the basket when he did that in Portland. Uh, when he took the game winner, uh, that, that game on, on Martin Luther King Day against Utah when he hit the Yep, I was, the, the I, I was there as a fan. The the guy tur- he turns around and puts his hands in the air, and the place just goes absolutely ape. It was, um, it was a fun era, man. He had Antoine Jameson, one of the best human beings you'll ever encounter. Tron Butler, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I mean, you, you had Eton Thomas and, <laughs> and Hayward getting in fights. <laughs> uh, you had Antonio McDaniels. Uh, he was an interesting person. That was just a really, really fun group to cover. A fun era was his basketball. And I convinced you that the one year when the Brown took 37 dribbles, or 37 steps, and made that layup, uh, that they could have won that series and gotten the finals. I mean, I, I always thought that that team was that close. They were so close. Unfortunately, uh, LeBron, you know, in his crowd dribble, uh, was able to get away with it. <laughs> and he did that twice in that series to win games. The one game, when he went by the Daniels, like, the guy didn't take a dribble. He took 13 steps. <laughs> and then it was a heartbreaker for Wizards fans, but boy, those were fun teams to cover with Gilbert. You never knew what he was going to say. You never knew what he was going to do. And it was all... For the for the ninety nine percent of it was was kind hearted and harmless. He was a good dude. He's a, he had a good soul. He, you know, he said some things. He did some things. He, he was an attention hound. But it, it was he was an innocent guy. He, he's a really nice guy. Uh, uh, it was a shame that that his body fell the way it did with that injury. Uh, kind of a shame because we've seen the same thing with RG three. Unfortunately, that this you know tremendously talented athlete that was kind of doomed by by a bad knee. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that uh, LeBron James crab dribble, the travels, the the game four. Oh, dude, where... tra- <laughs> I've never seen the worst travel in my life. First of all, the, the game one that they that they won, and now it's like game two that Cleveland won in Cleveland. When LeBron, if you look at that play, he took it came from the baseline. The guy took one dribble and and was at the rim, thirteen feet away later. Oh, he changed pivot feet for sure. I, unbelievable. <laughs> No, I remember I, went to, I was at Game Six as a fan, and some some fan had a uh, you know the Damon Jones game on uh, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, fuck Damon, oh, Damon fucking Jones, yeah. I will say, because uh, I can cuss my own podcast. But so a fan had a side is like, how did you get here, the 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 LeBron? Because we know you don't know you don't like to travel. <laughs> I oh. never forget because it, it was it was about those two games. And, yeah, and, Gilbert Gilbert hit that that long ball, oh, thirty five foot three. Oh, the place the place, goes it was the last I've ever heard of the arena. Free throws, man, it's a big free throws. Yeah, let's forget that. Yeah, it was nuts. How about them, the the stories of covering them as as, as personalities and just the whole hibachi? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, my favorite like, thing was just any Jordan. You know, on the road you travel, you wind up in the same hotel as the coaches sometimes. And we're in, uh, I think we're in Sacramento, right? And, you know, it's like March. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm having a whiskey at the, at, the, at the hotel bar in Sacramento. And Eddie Jordan sits down next to me. And the Wizards lost that night uh, to the Kings. And he's like, Ivan, this this is off record, right? And I'm like, yeah, of course, Eddie. We're just talking. 
this guy, zero, he's killing me. I go, I know, what do you mean, Eddie? <laughs> and just the stories that Eddie had about trying to, you know, Coach Gilbert, trying to get him to play defense, uh, trying to get him out of Gilbertology. Uh, and I, I felt like I was Eddie's shrink, though. Like, we sat there for, you know, a couple, you know, about, about like an hour or so, and we had, you know, two, three step drinks. And he's just shaking his head. He's like, I, sometimes I don't know if I'm a coach or a babysitter. You know what I mean? And that was life with Gilbert. I mean, you never knew what you were going to get. Yet, at the same time, he had to give him the freedom to be the kind of player he was. And then Eddie's system, the kind of hybrid Princeton system, was perfect for a combo card like Gilbert. And in retrospect, uh, you know, he probably was best off playing with a guy like Larry Hughes, who could who could handle the ball as well and take a little pressure off him. Plus, Larry was sort of the, the older brother type thing in that relationship. It would have been fun to see them if they would have been able to stick together, uh, even though that you know the teams with him and and Karan and Antoine went further. But yeah, it was just it's never a dull moment for Gilbert. I mean, we're in Chicago one time. And Gilbert, it was me and John Mitchell, he's with the Washington Times, <laughs> and we're interviewing Gilbert. And it was, he had a bad night, and, you know, he played like a you know, 5 or 22. And he's like, yeah, man, I, I was, my, my legs were cold. Like, what are you talking about? Because, you know, they have ice underneath the, the floor there. It's where the Blackhawks play. For, for the he's like, yeah, man, I hate playing, I hate playing the arenas where there's also a hockey team. My legs are cold. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, the Capitals play in the Verizon Center. His legs are cold. I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> it's like March, dude. It was like 70, you know, it was like 60 degrees outside. But, you know, that, that was life with Gilbert. He never knew as a reporter uh, uh, what was going to come out of his mouth, but it was going to be entertaining. <laughs> well, the thing about Gilbert, too, is it seemed like a lot of his personality and his persona was. With, with these blogs, right? You said Gilbertology, and he kind of was the first blogging kind of NBA player with the new online oh, media, he right? Of, he was ahead of us. I mean, today, like, I know it sounds crazy to say, because it was only six, seven years ago, but Twitter was not ubiquitous like it no, is now, right? No. And, 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 and YouTube and GIFs. The GIF era was made for Gilbert. Uh, I, I call it the... the, the uh, the fear of missing out, the league pass, FOMO. Yes. You know, where we all log on and you hear people going, oh man, so-and-so's going off tonight. You know, switch the channel, you know, 753. That was made for Gilbert. And he was a little ahead of his time because everywhere we went, that guy, you know, it's electrifying. But then on the flip side, bro, there was times where me and John Mitchell would sit, we were sitting, you know, we, back then, sports writers got to sit courtside. Now, what I guess they have guys up in the, they're, you know, upper deck now. I mean, yeah, we're, they we're do. Above, above the tunnel. Above the tunnel, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Even Buckhands has moved. Even Buckhands has moved, too. We were right there. And we because we'd watch Gilbert in the third minute of the game, and he would look at me and he'd go, he ain't got it tonight. I'm like, no, man. He's got that the wandering look. Like, uh-uh, he's just done on it. And then there was other nights where he had the, that look. Like, oh, man, dude, this dude might get 40 tonight. You could just tell, right? He, had that, he played with that bounce and that rhythm, uh, that attacking style. I mean, the guy was built like an NFL safety. He couldn't, he bounced off you as he drove to the basket. He was also supremely, acutely intelligent about how referees called different games. So in other words, he knew that this referee was going to call this contact, whereas that referee was going to let it go. His high basketball IQ, which I don't think he really ever got out of credit for, Gilbert was, in fact, I think he was probably too smart. Sometimes he overthought it. You know, he got himself in trouble. Instead of Gilbert, just come off the screen and shoot the ball. He was thinking, well, if I come off the screen and I draw contact, then I can get a free throw. 
as opposed to just sometimes just playing. And that was one of the fun things to kind of observe about him up close. But dude, for, for a year there, he was a terror. I mean, he was as good a scorer as we've ever seen in the NBA. I mean, he, the guy, the guy going, the guy going just, he could get by anybody. His shooting range was unlimited and he didn't have to really use his legs in his jump shot. So he, he didn't waste that energy. If you notice, he kind of had that flat foot shot. So he could shoot from any distance. He could get it off quickly. And then he could goodbye and get to the rim. Man, it was fun to watch. I also think his his was a very underrated aspect of his was his work ethic. I thought he was an unbelievably hard worker. Oh, and, it, he, was, it, he was he was about it. The guy was not he, as far as I know, he wasn't a drinker at all. I mean, I think he would go out, but he wasn't a boozer. He wasn't into drugs. Um, I mean, I think he liked the ladies. That was pretty obvious. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, yeah, 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 you know, he was the first to show up and the last to leave. I mean, he put he put his work in. I mean, he was a gym rat. You know, that's why that, that knee injury. I think it almost hurt him, right? That that one recovery. Yeah, yeah he, he came back too fast. You know, he's all with the you know with the damn parachute on. You know, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, and kind of like RG. It's very similar to what RG three has done. Yeah, he never. They never should have came back so early, he right? Had to come back too soon. He wasn't ready. You know. And then what did you see when, when you see how the perception was, the way the, it ended? You know, someone that was so close to the big three, right? You were close, up, yeah. up, up, see, what was your personal reaction to how the big three was broken up? And now, you know, now we're in the John Wall era, and it's, but it hasn't been that long ago. The the, the Wizards have been Washington. It's just the weirdest thing. I mean, you know, the whole Crittenden thing, like, Jamar Crittenden was the nicest kid you'd ever sit down and talk to. If you would have told me that he was a guy that would shoot somebody, uh, I would I would have I would have laughed at I mean I would have laughed at you. Like there's no way he was. If you told I, but yeah, I totally believe that Gilbert had the capability of pushing someone's buttons that far with with how he interacted with some of his teammates. I mean, he was brutal. I mean, I mean dude, he pooped it on Andre Black to shoot, dude. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, we have it on the blog. We have it on our blog. Gilbert would push buttons. He would push you to the brink. So the way that all played out was, it was kind of stunning to behold. It was unfortunate, you know, his entry and all that. But, uh, yeah, it was amazing that that, 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 that fell apart as fast as it did. Because I thought Ernie, Ernie created a championship window with that, that unit. And it just, you know, they had the bad fortune of it happening right as LeBron was coming into his own. And they just they just didn't get it done. I mean, well, I mean, obviously it all started with Ger- Gerald Wallace going into Gilbert's knee and everything never really was the same after that. And, and but, yeah. but as in, I just I just remember the news of, of the guns and, and now you got Karan Brother writing his book and, I, and the other day and he kind of has an interview, a passage about it and his story kind of sometimes doesn't really match up to what has been kind of reported in court documents. You know, not all of it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was kind of funny. <laughs> I, I, you know, Karan, I, I would, I, you know, Karan's a trustworthy guy. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, he's not a dishonest human being. He's a fundamentally good, good dude. That just, I don't, I don't know what to believe there. You know what I mean? But I agree with you. Like the, the court documents kind of said one thing. Uh, you know, you saw Gilbert go on Instagram about it. Uh, it, it just, it was, it was weird. I, I don't know, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to make of that. But, you know, I mean, the, the best thing about it, the Karan Buffer books kind of about what Karan went through and oh, you know, yes. that guy 
you know, he was 16 years old sitting in jail, and, you know, years later, you know, he's got a $50 million contract, and, and he's turned his life around, and he's a, he's a terrific human being. He's still, you know, he's still playing. He's with Sacramento. He's one of my favorite guys I ever covered. So Yeah, what was it like um, to... What was it like to... Weird. Him and, and Gilbert had a weird rivalry relationship. I think publicly, they would say they were cool, but I think privately, there was a bit of a rivalry there. I think Gilbert resented that, that Kron was an all-star, and and God was getting some attention that he felt he should have been getting. Uh, that was always a weird, weird relationship. Antoine Jameson was always like the older brother in that situation. Yeah, what was it? What was Twan like? I know you said he, he was the, one of the best human beings that you've ever met. You know, talk to the people yeah, about about him as a person. Guy, yeah. I mean, Kwan, you know, Kwan had a bad game. He would own it. He would say, hey, "I didn't play well enough. I didn't get it done." He, he was he was always there, uh, win or lose. He was supportive. He never threw anyone under the bus. I remember, you know, when they first got there, I remember Eddie was bringing him off the bench as a six-man tonight. Oh, Butler? First, Butler? I'd say about, uh, about the first, his first quarter of the season, he was coming off the bench. And Karan didn't make a big deal about it. He didn't complain. He could have. I mean, the guy was a lottery pick, right? He, he, he took it and handled it like a, like a professional. Uh, he was just a pro. I mean, Karan Butler was just a pro's pro. I mean, just one of the best guys you ever dealt with. How about one J- of my favorites, man? How about Jameson? Well, one of the best as well. I mean, we call him all day Antoine. So, you know, uh, you had two get you know two days in between games, and you need to write a story. Me and John Mitchell called him all day Antoine <laughs> if you don't have a story, just go to Antoine. He'll talk. And you know, he was the best too. I mean, I love Antoine. God bless him. Back with some technical difficulties. Uh, I've been finishing on Antoine as, as, as or just being around him. And, do you ever give him shit for playing bad defense? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I'm convinced. I told Antoine a couple times. I'm convinced I could have got like 14 against him, <laughs> and, and he would laugh. You know, and he, you know, he, he had a lot, he had a lot of pride, but yeah, Antoine struggled. Uh, at the defensive, he was a good defensive rebounder, uh, and but boy, man, he, 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 he his legs are like pogo sticks. You know, he couldn't bend his knees, so guys just trouble right around him. But he would always talk about how the Wizards had to play better defense, which I always thought was hilarious. Because he's like, "Why, well, Antoine? Uh, you know, you're, you're struggling with that." <laughs> oh, oh, and that, and that... He, he's a great guy, one of the best guys you ever. Ever deal with? Oh, oh! In in the in the one uh, play that we talked about, how LeBron took a million steps there in Cleveland on a last second shot. Antoine just had to close out on the yeah. baseline. All they had to do was play the fundamental defense yeah, on the baseline. the baseline. Yes, it was yeah, over. Put, put, put your foot on the baseline, Antoine. Yes. Put your foot on the baseline, like like uh, like like uh, like you learned in North Carolina, and he didn't do it. Yeah, he didn't. He struggled. He struggled. He struggled, Dan. He struggled defensively. How how he was no one was better with that off the wrong leg. One-handed flip shot, though. Oh God! Jameson. How did he make those? He had, uh, I called him Uncle Unorthodox. <laughs> did, did, did how much did Eton and Haywood hate each other? And what what was their beef about? Why did they hate, hate each other so much? Say that again. Uh, uh, Eton, Thomas, and Haywood. Antoine and no, no, Eton. Oh, Eton and Haywood. Total different human beings. Yeah, Brandon Haywood. Well, they were competing for a starting spot. That was part of it. Uh, Eddie always sort of preferred a time because Brendan was such a strong, kind of strong personality, had a big ego, and also they're just totally different dudes. I mean, 
that John Thomas is the kind of guy that you'd see in the locker room reading, you know, Noam Chomsky or uh, <laughs> you know, the, the autobiography of Malcolm X. And Brendan Haywood was in there, you know, ch- you know, chuckling it off and laughing and joking with the guys. They were totally different human beings. So that, that contributed to it. And uh, they got in a few, you know, practice scraps. Uh, the, the one, the good one, I guess, was when <laughs> when uh, Haywood had him by his, by his dreadlocks. <laughs> and uh, they were fucking it out in the weight room one day. That that, they, that that was a good one. That was a good one. They didn't appreciate me getting that story out, but uh, someone told me. Yeah, so, no, didn't he? Yeah, that, that, that was a that, that was a good rivalry. They didn't like each other too much. Didn't didn't Thomas like body slam him? Is that your story? If I remember correctly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Body, body slam, he body slammed him, and Brendan had him by the dreadlocks, almost to the point where he pulled one out. <laughs> uh, and I think he remarked something along the lines of. If you're gonna hear your, if you're gonna wear your hair like a word I can't say, I'm gonna grab your hair like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny is that is that Haywood has come back to yeah, they, Haywood has come back to DC many times over the years, and I've kind of just asked him about the DC years without specifically asking him about that. I'm trying to ask him about Eton, right? <laughs> without actually asking him, and he kind of never really, gets, yeah. he never really, he never really unveils much about it. You know, I'm like I'm like Kwame Brown, who basically oh, I think yeah, hates he, he, DC he, to death. I couldn't get anything out of him. He is like he never even played here. He did he did not like Washington DC. And I don't yeah, blame yeah. him. You know. Yeah, that was a, I mean that was a tough time for him. I mean, you know, guy got drafted. He was 19 years old. Michael Jordan, you know, Michael Jordan's hating on you. He had a, you know. I'm sure that was a forgettable time in his life, actually, looking back on it. The guy still had a, long, had a pretty good NBA career, you know, yeah. made some good money. Yeah, he definitely did. To, to transition here, I have another reason I want to have you on with your Minnesota ties. It's been tough, tough go uh, up there uh, for, as of late, for the, the Timberwolves franchise and go for basketball and the passing of Flip Saunders. Just your, and when you found the news out, what was your initial thought, man? Yeah, I, I, we knew he was sick. Um, we knew we knew he wasn't doing well, and you know, I mean, I, you know, but that 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 particular form of cancer works pretty fast, and you just knew it was going to be good. But Flip was just a good dude, you know. I mean, he's a great golfer, uh, terrific coach, guy that, that reporters enjoy talking to. I mean, he, he'd be combative, you know that. Like he'd come back and forth with you, but he'd respect you. Um, and you know it's just a just a, just a, a terrific NBA coach. I mean, the NBA is going to be worse worse without him. I mean, and hey, by the way, him pulling off that trade, getting Wiggins for love, you know, set that franchise up. That was his probably his you know I guess you call that his parting gift. You know, remember they weren't going to try to get they weren't going to give Wiggins up in that deal. They wanted to keep Wiggins. They wanted love. He held out. He held strong, and he got. A franchise corner piece, which now in retrospect is probably a great trade for both teams. You know, to be honest with you, I mean, they probably worked out for Cleveland. They wanted a veteran like Love, and obviously, you know, Wiggins is going to set them up for a lot of success with Towns. But yeah, Flip was just a, a good dude, man. I mean, I, I remember interviewing him when he was a Timberwolves coach, and they stepped on Marbury, and Garnett was a young player back when I was just breaking into the business. Uh, he took the time to sit and talk to a young guy about basketball, so it, it was just heartbreaking. That, uh, that that he went through that, um, but man, cancer's a beast, dude. I mean, it, 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 ate, it ate him up fast. 
the guy went from like one day he's coaching and he looks pretty healthy to just a few months later he's gone. Yeah, I was trying to think. What's the last like NBA current NBA coach to die? I I, I, I was going to Google it the other day. I couldn't come up with one like to die like when he was still a coach. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah I, I, I couldn't think of one offhand. Yeah, it probably oh, was. Wow. You know, I couldn't think of. I was trying to think like. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's happened. You know? I don't think it's happened. Um, you know, you not, ha- not not like an active coach off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I don't think it's I, not in my lifetime that I remember. It's uh, pretty unprecedented, man. But that, you know, I lost my college football coach down in Canfield uh, between my sophomore junior year. He, he got stomach cancer and, and literally ate him up in, in four months' time. I mean, wow. he went from coaching football to four months later, he's on his deathbed, you know? So it, that, that, that cancer's a monster. It, it eats people up. I hope, I hope, I don't know, man. I hope we can find, find an answer to it. Um, Soon, I mean, I, it's just it's terrible. It's terrible. Did you, did you see Kevin Grant, Kevin, uh, KG's tribute to him in the in the in the parking ramp? I thought that was very very emotional and special. And then and just the outpouring of respect around the league towards him. Uh, and then the the GM wasn't a Milt Newton like broke down on the video. I was like, gosh, I got like choked up. I don't know if you had a chance to see that too. They did a, uh, the tribute. About, uh, about KD? Oh, uh, no. Uh, well, KG, when he put his, uh, in the Flips parking space, he put a picture. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, KG. Yeah, 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 yeah KG, man. yeah. Yeah, man, that was, a, that was a, you know, KD, that was a personal relationship between them, man. I mean, he drafted him. He brought him in there. I mean, he was, was, was a young coach. Kevin McKay was the GM at the time. But, yeah, man, that was that was personal. And then, uh, you know, him coming home was a favorite of Flip in a sense. I think you'll see KG... Uh, buy a buy a piece of that franchise when he retires. I think it'll come out. I don't think it, it was probably under the books in a sense, but I think when Taylor probably gave him a, you know a cut so that he could be you know part of that franchise going forward. And the flip was a big reason why, man. I mean, they had a great relationship. Um, you know, they had a chance to win a, win a title several years ago, and, and kind of kind of slipped through their fingers when, when they lost the Lakers that year after Cassell got hurt, but. Yeah, man, that was a that was a fun time. If you're a fan of that franchise, those are great years. Flip coaching them up in uh, KG and Cassell and Sprewell and Wally Zerbiak, Fred Hoiberg. I mean, those were fun, fun times, dude. You were t- you were talking about earlier how you know we we were talking about if KD would win a title, uh, what this town would would do for him. You know, someone that was invested here in the DC sports media scene. You know, just your thoughts on this town, the environment, the fans, your memories, and your experiences. Oh, it's, it's fun, man. I mean, I, you know, I still, because of social media and, and, and how many friends I have there, I keep tabs. Um, you know, it's unique, man. I'm passionate. It's, it's a great town. Like, um, you, know, I went, you know, I went to 20, 30 Cats games a year when I was there. I really enjoyed going to, going to the hockey games. And, you know, the, the, the Wizards fan base is, is I, I call it, it's, it might not feel big, but on the, out, in the, on, the, on the outside, it might not feel necessarily huge in a sense, but they're passionate and they're hardcore. I mean, they really follow that team. And if you're a reporter covering that team, they, they're reading your stories. They're, they're sending emails. They're asking you on, uh, questions on Twitter. Um, they're, they're following it. And you're aware of that, you know, doing what you do. Um, never mind, you know, the Red Team aspect. I mean, that, that, that team, just, just a ridiculous passionate following. But, I had, a, I had a great, great time there, man. It was a fun, fun time in my life. I have a lot of, a lot of um, 
strong feelings about Washington, D.C. and D.C. sports fans. I enjoyed working at the Washington Post. I enjoyed working at Comcast. It was, it was a really, really fun time in my life, man. And I, everywhere I go, when I run into D.C. sports fans, it's always a fun conversation because you run into them everywhere. Uh, there's, big, you know, there's a big convention out here in uh, San Diego. Does this always be a skins town? Is there a chance for this to be a basketball town? Yeah, I mean, I think D.C. is a basketball town, in, in a sense. Um, it, not necessarily a Wizards town, but... Oh, the college and the high school, right? I mean, I lived, in the U, I lived in the U Street area for seven years. I mean, every single night, people are in a, in a bar on U Street watching NBA. I mean, it, it, it might be the Lakers, it might be whoever, but there's a passion for it. Georgetown basketball has a passion following Maryland, the high school hoop scene, the pickup basketball scene. It, it is a basketball town. I think there's not even a question about it. I mean, there's been more talented player coming out of that region than anywhere else in the world, to be honest with you. I mean, you, you, 45 minute uh, radius of Washington, D.C. has produced more great basketball players than anywhere. Um, and you still see that influence as it pops into college basketball. So if the Wizards ever broke through, that's why I think KD coming home would just, you know, blow, blow, blow the roof off the joint because it would tie all of that together. A local boy. DC, you know, and, and, and maybe had a chance to win a title, um, but no, it, there's no question about it. That's a basketball town. I've always thought that that's a basketball town. The, so recently, Comcast and Money Metal, uh, Ted Leonsis Group made a made a deal to extend their their TV uh, rights. You know, because there've been there've been hints of maybe Ted doing his own thing with his own network and kind of icing yeah. Comcast out. The the the, the they end up still were in kind of you know, long long story short, they're still dealing with a deal that Abe had signed. So he had four more years on the deal. So he basically got out of that deal, extended with Comcast. Doesn't really have to go through the headaches. And then part of the deal was getting a thirty three percent ownership of the channel, which I guess is kind of a common stance now. And then also, what I was going to ask you is that you know Snyder owning one of the radio stations out here. I know that it sometimes has you know, raised some eyebrows. Do you see any of those like you know being someone that's in the media? Like covering a team and any type of conflict of interest that, that those type kind of relationships would have. Yeah, I mean that, that's where we're going. That's where we're going now. I mean, it, you know, I, look, I, you working in Comcast, I never had any pressure to say anything different than I would have totally independent because that we were partners with the Redskins or or the Wizards or the Capitals. So I just say it off the top. I never got a hard time from. You know, Ted Leonis is his guy because I ripped out so much skin or something like that. But it, just on the face of it, it was a conflict of interest. I mean, when, when when the teams are in bed with the people that are supposed to be covering them, there's it, it's just not as independent as it could be. But that's where we're going. I mean, this cable TV money is so huge in sports now, and then there's a big stake in it that, that that's kind of driving the business. But as long as the news divisions can keep a modicum of independence that's what's important so you got to have a strong station head at a Comcast or that or or at the Washington Post if you're partnering with whatever team that, that, that you're still able to do independent journalism fair but hard-hitting and and revealing stuff that sometimes the team doesn't want you to reveal that that we need to we need to maintain that independence and I don't think that we've crossed over too far but but we're you're getting there. I mean, you're starting to get more of a conflict of interest, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing when 
you have a close relationship because you're covering them, right? Even though you're working for two separate entities. I mean, I get that part, but once it becomes where, you know, they're paying, well, they're, they're writing your paychecks, right? You know, how can you be independent? <laughs> you're right? You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And how, 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 how often do you, you mentioned you still have a lot of friends there, friends here and stuff. How often do you talk to your, your ex colleagues at Comcast or, uh, or the Washington Post, and how how much you oh, keep in touch with those guys? guys all the time. It's more you know more more uh, social media here and there, but you know Mike Jones and then I are tight. That was one of my best friends, and uh, uh, guys like that, Jason Reed, I stay in contact with, and and uh, uh, you know we, we we communicate back and forth. I mean, just this whole bunch of guys. Actually, to tell you the truth, I mean even some of the baseball guys, um, we, we keep in contact. So yeah, I keep tabs on it. I read everyone's stuff and. You know, I critique. You know, I'll send a, a reply if I see some this particularly well-written article or or, or something like that. Rashawn Mobley, uh, you know, does a lot of wizard stuff. I, you know, I, I interact with him here and there about stuff. So, you know, I, I keep tabs on it, man. I, I know what you guys are up to out there. <laughs> you know, and I'll let you know if you're slipping. I mean, sometimes you guys get you guys get a little homerific with uh, with the, 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 the wizards coverage. Sometimes you guys are drinking Kool-Aid a little bit too much, but I get it. You yeah. know, I get it. I get it. You know, it, it's understandable. But just calm down. I mean, you know, it's, let's not let's not turn it let's not turn it into eighty-seven Lakers because you guys win like an all three-day win streak. You know what I mean? You know, uh, tone it, it down a tad. Tone it down. I saw. I, I, saw, I like that. Hey, man, give 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 the people. You know what Jalen Rose said. Give the people what they want. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you need to give the real, right? Uh, I mean, sometimes. I mean, sometimes you get the wizards under on. Is what I'm saying. I mean, you know, objectivity goes right out the window. I know. Time to time. That's I, all I'm saying. That's I, I, I'm saying. Need, I need to get more cynical. The, the caps. The caps people are even worse. Oh God. I mean, boy, those dudes, man, they're defensive. Oh Look, yeah. man, look, I'm ready. Win some regular season games. So what? Talk to me in April. Yeah. See that team break through. Let's see OV break through and, and get to a Stanley Cup. That's, I think that's what we're all talking about. Uh, I did see on on the social media because we, we are Facebook friends that you shared a picture of uh, Big E Hayes the other day. I, I I thought that was curious. We were at the San Diego Arena. There's a photo of him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tell me about that. Arena. Yeah, yeah. The other night, man, Elvin Hayes, baby. Elvin Hayes, 1968. That guy averaged 27 or 28 and 17 as a rookie in 1968. That's that incredible. And for what team was that? That was the San Diego. San Diego, yeah, yeah. He played for the San Diego Rockets. That was before the the, the Rockets moved to Houston. And then, well, after the Rockets were gone, uh, the, the uh, they had the well, you had the so the ABA here, and then you had the Clippers. Gotcha. Right, who moved here from Buffalo? Buffalo Braves. So Big E was dominating back then, I'm, I'm assuming. Big E was just getting by a rookie dude, getting <laughs> buckets. 28-17. Pretty solid, huh? That is pretty good. Well, well, thank you so much, Ivan, for coming here. What what, what else you got going on, man? Are you, are you still doing some journals and things? Living or, the dream, yeah. man. Living the dream. Enjoying Cali life. Doing a little writing. Uh, having fun. Uh, just, you know, staying ahead of the curve, man. Training for the LA Marathon. I got to run that in February, so... An old man still, you know, I still compete. I still keep the I keep the wheels moving, man. Just not as fast as they used to be. Ah, sweet. Yeah. Well, well, good luck. Thank, thank you so much. For going. Yes, sir. Before before I let you go, uh, how would how would you define a Bama uh, to the people? 
Uh, Dave, I say that again. Obama, the Bamas. How, how, what's your definition well, of Obama? Obama, how, Obama is, you know, it's, it's that it's that DC dude, man. It's just just a Bama, man. Like you know, they just you know it when you see it. You know what I'm saying? Two, two M's or one M? Two M's or one M? Two M's? It's, it's just uh, well, that that term is it's flexible. It's ubiquitous. You know what I mean? But you know, it's that dude. That, you know when you see it, man. Just just that dude's a Bama. <laughs> That, that, that picture of me. Okay, I see. I hear you go. All right, that yeah. picture yeah. of you. Yeah, see, see, she even knows. Probably, I can probably get her on to get her to know what it is. Because uh, she probably, calls me Bama every day now. <laughs> I, I've created a monster. All right, I, well, hey man, thank you so much. This went, this went too far. I appreciate your time. You have, a, you have a hell of a Thanksgiving, man. I, I was surprised. I, I have a surprise, uh, <laughs> some surprise music for you on the way out. I couldn't get. I couldn't. I couldn't get the the real Prince, so uh, my my Spotify won't give me the real stuff. But uh, I got this song that he, some song he he loaded out. But uh, I know how much you love playing the damn Prince. So and, uh, that is Much Ivan, appreciated, man. Much uh, appreciated. Uh, that is that is Ivan Carter. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us in this monster podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks, dude. Thanks everyone for uh, listening, putting me up, putting up with me for another. Who knows how many how many effing minutes? But big, it'll be a big weekend for the Wizards. Uh, four games upcoming, and uh, hopefully, have some new guests and we can break it all down for you. Everyone, have a good Thanksgiving. Eat too much, get some leftovers, and uh, go Wiz. Peace out. Can you play?